Welcome back to Kentucky History and Haunts. I'm your host, Jesse Bartholomew, and are you ready for one of the most well-documented UFO cases in U.S. history from the 1950s? Today we're going to Kelly, Kentucky in Christian County, which is about seven miles from Hopkinsville. At the time of the incident, on August 21st, 1955, 11 people were in the home of the Sutton Lankford family, including family friends Billy Ray Taylor and his wife June, who were visiting from Pennsylvania. The family lived in a small farmhouse, sort of out in the middle of nowhere, with no plumbing, no electricity, off of Old Madisonville Road. It was a hot Sunday evening and the adults were sitting around the kitchen table playing cards around 7 p.m. when Billy Ray Taylor, the family friend, stepped outside to get a drink from the well in the backyard. Moments later, he came running back inside, claiming that he'd just seen a, quote, flying saucer with flames all the colors of the rainbow shooting out the back of it. He said that he watched the saucer freeze in its position in the air and then drop straight down onto the property next door, roughly 100 yards away from the farmhouse. Now, the patriarch of the family, Elmer Lucky Sutton, was a man of reason. Elmer and Billy Ray had met while working for a traveling carnival. Elmer and his brother, John, thought Billy Ray must have either been joking or perhaps he'd seen a falling star. He definitely wasn't drunk because alcohol wasn't allowed in the home, a rule implemented by Elmer's mother, Glennie Lankford, who was a widow. So they all kind of just ignored Billy Ray and went back to playing cards. And then about an hour later, the family dog started going crazy. And it was at that point that Elmer got up and peered out the window and saw a round glowing orb moving towards his home. Now, Elmer didn't love this, so some of the group grabbed their guns and headed outside. The dog ran under the house, scared to death, hiding from what appeared to be a small creature standing in their yard, holding its tiny arms over its head. They said this creature was about three and a half feet tall with huge glowing yellow eyes and crinkly pointed ears. It had sort of a glow-in-the-dark skin that was almost shiny like metal, and it didn't have any hair or a nose. And it had a straight slit where its mouth would be, but it stretched all the way from ear to ear. And the really unsettling part was the hands. It had hands that were had claw-like talons at the ends. Glennie Langford later told a reporter, quote, It looked like a five-gallon gasoline can with a head on top and small legs. It was a shimmering bright metal like on my refrigerator. In response to seeing this odd little creature in their yard, they started firing their weapons. They said that when they did this, All that happened was the little guy sort of flipped backwards, then stood off and ran into the nearby woods, basically unfazed.
The men ran back inside the home and started trying to help console the children who were hysterical at this point. But as they were doing this, either the same or a second little creature appeared looking into one of the farmhouse windows. Once again, the men took aim and fired their weapons right at the little creature through the window, but the same thing happened. He kind of bounced backwards and then took off, seemingly unharmed. Elmer and Billy Ray ran back outside to see if maybe they could retrieve the body of one of the creatures they'd shot. The rest of the family was so curious that they followed Elmer and Billy Ray out onto the porch, and that's when they all saw a claw-like hand reach down from the tin roof of the farmhouse and grab Billy Ray by the hair. Some of the family members held on to Billy Ray and pulled him back inside the house. Meanwhile, Elmer ran out to where he could shoot at the creature on the roof. But when he did, instead of the way a body would normally fall off a roof when it's hit with bullets, he said the creature sort of floated down, almost as if it had no weight. Just as this was happening, Elmer saw yet another little guy perched in a nearby tree limb. And this is when he realized they might really be outnumbered. Inside, Glennie, Elmer's mother, was trying to put the young children to bed. Billy Ray had mustered up the courage to run back outside, and together they fired shots at the creature in the tree, and this one too seemed to just float to the ground after being riddled with bullets. And then, during all of this, another little creature ran across the yard. So later, when going over the experience with police, they said they were attacked over a three to four hour period at least six different times. And during that whole time, they said they kept seeing the creatures peering into windows and hearing them scrape their claws against the tin roof. And by 11 p.m., they'd had more than enough, and they felt like trying to escape the farmhouse was the only way to safety. They darted out of the home into their two separate vehicles and sped onto Highway 41 towards the city of Hopkinsville, where they knew they could find the closest police officers. One of the officers they talked to was Chief Russell Greenwell, who said the family was, quote, genuinely terrified and that something scared those people, something beyond reason, nothing ordinary. A large group of city, county, and even state police officers went to thoroughly search the area. They found shell casings all over the place, but no evidence of the little creatures ever being there. The only things that really seemed out of the ordinary were that, one, Chief Greenwell and a few others said they saw a little patch of luminous grass near the house, but it had faded by the time others came to see it. And two, every single officer at the scene said they felt, quote, strangely uneasy while they were there investigating. But other than that, there was no blood, no belongings or other evidence left behind, nothing that proved anyone was there but the Sutton family. A few of the neighbors, though, were interviewed and did mention seeing lights in the sky, but that was it. So remember, the Sutton family left their home around 11 p.m. to go alert the police. By 3 a.m., the police had finished their investigation 
and the family was again left alone in their isolated farmhouse. And when the coast was clear of police, the little creatures became active all over again. Glennie said she saw a glow outside her window, and for the rest of that night, the family spent their time shooting out the windows of their home, trying to get rid of the tiny, claw-handed invaders. Word got out about this strange evening at the farmhouse, and before they knew it, there were reporters and investigators crawling all over them and their property. The police and reporters tried to look for evidence of alcohol or drug use, but as I mentioned before, the Sutton Langford household was completely dry. No booze, nothing but well water. Other reporters took advantage of the incident to write sensationalized versions of the story, and that's how the creatures became known as the Little Green Men. And later it was clarified that the family hadn't described them really as green. Like I mentioned before, they said they were like this silvery metal color, but that the glow they emitted sort of gave them a green hue. And according to History.com, the description of the Little Green Men in Hopkinsville is at least in part what started the common mythology that aliens are green. Anyway, the family was so badly harassed by these reporters and investigators that eventually they had to abandon their home. I mean, people just would not leave them alone. At first, they had tried to put up no trespassing signs and people ignored those. Then they tried to charge admission, thinking maybe that would like get people to back off, but nothing kept the crowds from invading their privacy by the busload. Over time, investigators have gone back over and over this case, trying to come up with a reasonable explanation. The family has been steadfast in their claims of what happened that night and have never altered or retracted any of their statements. In 2002, the Kentucky New Era, a Hopkinsville publication, did an interview with Geraldine Hawkins, who was the daughter of Elmer Lucky Sutton. Now, the first time she'd heard the story, she was about seven or eight years old, and she said she was terrified when she first learned the details. So I guess she had just been away that night when it happened. So later in this interview, she said that the family wouldn't let a couple of writers on the property to see where this UFO had landed. But a little bit later, they agreed to take Geraldine to the spot. And she said, quote, I remember a big, round, burned-out place back there in the field. It was still there. Geraldine Hawkins also told the Kentucky New Era that people had tried to discredit her dad at the time because they were a low-income family, they were fairly uneducated, and he was employed by a carnival. But she kind of said that on the contrary, because they were just simple country folks, they wouldn't have been able to even make up something so elaborate and wild. Both Geraldine and her brother fully believed their family about whatever happened that night. They also said that their father really didn't like to talk about that night, and then when he did, it was never in a lighthearted or joking manner. It was always very serious, and it obviously seemed like whatever happened that night haunted him. She said, quote, I just want people to realize that they weren't crazy. 
They weren't just seeing things that night. Something really happened to that family. And that's kind of what all the people who've investigated and researched this incident agree on. Anyone who interviewed the family concluded that this was like a serious family. One ufologist in particular who interviewed Glennie Langford described her as, quote, somber, no-nonsense, a matriarch who abhorred the limelight and had no reason to lie. So then, how do you explain what happened on the night of August 21st, 1955? Were they actually lying about being sober? Did they actually get so drunk that they started hallucinating space creatures? No. No. Did some monkeys escape a zoo or a circus and come attack the farmhouse? I doubt it. The most common explanation for what happened is that they were attacked by a group of angry great horned owls, which may have resembled whatever little creatures they thought they saw in the dark. I don't know. I'm not buying it. Anyway, the town of Kelly, Kentucky, hosts a Little Green Men Days Festival annually. Now, of course, it was called off this past year because of the pandemic, but on a typical year, they have live music, local food, costume contests, fun activities for kids, so hopefully they'll be able to host it again in coming years. All right, my friends, that is it. That is the story of the Hopkinsville Goblins, the Little Green Men. To see photos of the family who witnessed the Little Green Men, you can go to my Instagram, at KYHistoryHaunts. I'll also have renderings of the Little Green Men. And also follow me on Twitter, at KYHistoryHaunts, and the Facebook page, Kentucky History and Haunts. If you have a story you think I should share on the show, send an email to KYHistoryHaunts at gmail.com. For this episode, I used the book Strange Kentucky Monsters by Michael Newton, as well as the book Mysterious Kentucky, The History, Mystery, and Unexplained of the Bluegrass State by Barton M. Nunnally. I also used an article from History.com called Little Green Men Origins. Thank you so much for listening, and I look forward to bringing you another topic very soon. Mm-hmm.